Welcome to the Living Ageless and Bold podcast. I'm your host, Christina Daves, and in each episode, I bring you amazing women who inspire, educate, and share their experiences and journeys along the way. So grab a glass of wine or a cup of coffee, find a cozy spot, and let's relax and have some fun hearing what can be accomplished after 55. Hey, everybody. All right, get ready. This one is going to like test your mental toughness. And our next guest, Leah Jansen, is not quite over 55. She is over 50, but she is such a badass. Like I had to have her on. So I'm going to bring you on first, Leah, and then I'm going to read some stats about you. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. I'm really excited to be here. All right. So you are a peak performance coach. You are a triathlete. You are an author, you are a speaker, but I, and I have to read this because you blew me away on this. So if you think that there are things still left to accomplish, let's put some of these on our list. 13 time marathon finisher, including four times at the Boston marathon with a personal record of three hours, 17 minutes and 57 seconds. Three-time Ironman finisher, she placed second in the Ironman Chattanooga, which gave her a slot to race in Kona, Hawaii in October 2022. So that's late 40s she's doing this. Six-time half Ironman finisher, including a podium finish in Maine, 70.3 qualifying her to race in the Ironman Worlds in Finland. And a 50K USATF National Championship top 10 finish with a time of four hours, five minutes and 52 seconds. So if there's anybody that I've interviewed that is going to help us with achieving our goals, it is you. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. To hear those numbers, it sounds crazy. Well, you should be incredibly proud of yourself. And I have to tell everybody listening because I laughed so hard when we met, we were having a conversation and she's like, Leah said, yeah, I just run 50 miles for fun. Not 15 miles, you guys, five zero. How does this person become this person? You've got to be really driven and disciplined to do an Ironman, to run 50 miles. Like, I'm just blown away. Yeah, you do. Yes, those things are all true. But I'm here to say I wasn't always this way. I wasn't this disciplined and driven when I was a kid. I was an athlete, but I didn't run. I didn't do these endurance sports. I was a tennis player and a volleyball player. And softball, basketball. I did all these sports and they came relatively easy to me. And then I got burnt out. I didn't want to play college sports. I didn't want to do anything. And I think that was a major driving force behind my late in life success because I was so, I had such unfinished business. It just was like eating away at me that I never realized my potential. So again, hindsight is twenty twenty, and maturity is a beautiful thing. And I decided I didn't run my first marathon until I was 42. Like I was late in the game. Like that's why I like to tell my story because I want people to know I didn't swim a lap in a pool until I was 43 years old. Like I couldn't swim. I could swim to save my life, but I never was a swimmer. I never took a lesson. My parents were laughing at me. They said, you're swimming? We didn't give you, you don't know how to swim. I said, I know because you never gave me swimming lessons. I have to learn now at 43, which is a very humbling experience. And how far do you swim? An Ironman is a two and a half mile swim. And I am a swimmer. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. Pre-COVID, I was swimming a lot, but that is a lot of swimming. And especially if you haven't done it. And a lot of my friends who've done, you know, just the triathlon say that's the hardest part is the swimming part. 
the swimming part is very intimidating. And again, you're in open water, which is, again, daunting. It's not like you're in a pool where it's controlled. You're in open water with animals and waves and other people. So there was, but I think that's the best part of the story is, you know, it's never too late to try something new. It's never too late to be really bad at something and to learn it because we go through life you know, we're in school, we learn new things, we get rewarded, great job, you know, learn something new. We we become adults and that goes away. You don't get anything new. You don't do a lot of that sort of practice and you go every day and you try really hard and you come. So I think I, I missed that experience and I was enjoying the humbling experience of being new at something and sucking and learning from other people. And I was so driven, Christina. I don't know what was behind me. I was so, so driven to succeed and to learn and to be the best that I could be. Maybe because I didn't do that when I was younger and I didn't want to, I didn't want to have that regret that I had. You had something left, something. Yeah, I had something left. I had some unfinished business. And let's talk about this. You have four children, right? So you're doing this while, and I'm guessing they were probably teenagers late. When I started, they were little. My little one was only three. Right now they're, yeah, she was three when I ran my marathon. So now they're 11, between 11 and 19. So that's my age range, almost 20. So yeah, they were younger for sure. And that was my, I think that's also what was, was some of it. It was, that was my hour alone. That was my alone time where I was not thinking about anything, laundry, feeding children, napping, all the things I was in my body physically, I was running, I was swimming, I was biking. And it was, I cherished that time so much and I made it really count. You know, I didn't waste it. If I'm going to train, if I get that hour from my husband to say, go do what you want to do, I was going to really make it count. So I think that's what changes. You make, you have priorities and it's important. Well, and I love that too, for your kids, because you don't realize that until you're, till they're gone until they're done. You know, I owned a retail store for a long time and have transitioned several times that, you know, my, and especially my daughter, I have a son and a daughter, but my son recognizes it too, that they see you can be a mom and work or, and have a hobby. I don't even know if you call that a hobby. What do you call that? (laughs) An identity outside of motherhood. Exactly. Exactly. And it's a really important lesson that you don't do intentionally, but they just see it. So, so it's great that you did that. And I think that was indirect. Like you said, it was an indirect outcome. It was like, wow, I didn't realize they were watching me and they were learning so much about discipline and hard work. And look at mommy. She really works hard and she cares about what she does. And there's more to her than she's not here just to serve us. You know, <laughs> and I think that's an important lesson. Oh, it's so important because they're going to be, or could very well be parents someday or aunts and uncles and where there's going to be somebody looking up to them that it's important that they see that. They're watching us. And I wanted to model the things I wanted them to do. I didn't want to ask them to ever do anything I wasn't willing to do. You know, if I want my kids to work hard in school or at their sport or at their music or whatever, I'm doing that. I do that with my things. If I'm, you know, I'm modeling for them. I'm an example for them. They're watching how my work ethic is and that I care about what I put out in the world. And I want them to care. I don't care how good they are. I just want their effort to always be there. It's what it's all about. Right. And it's so important, especially now with, Oh, you know, that generation's getting a bad rap and I get frustrated. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, not all the kids are like that. They I agree with hard. you. That's my pet peeve. Yes. Is that they give them yeah. such a hard time. Right. They can communicate. My kids do FaceTime, which, you know, they're not just in their phones, but that's a whole nother topic that we can talk about. So how do you wake up one day and decide that you're going to run 50 miles? 
you know, again, you keep moving the goalpost, right? So you do an Ironman and it's like, well, now what? You know, that's the almost the downside. It's like, you, how do you outdo that thing? I just, I love running. That's my favorite, probably my favorite of all of the disciplines. And that's where I started. I started as a runner. So running marathon, you know, the Boston Marathon and the marathon. So I just enjoy it. I find it to be I like being outside. I li- and again, I like seeing what I can do. I, I tell the students when I meet with them, why do I do this, guys? Like, I don't have to do this. I'm not getting paid to run these races. I tell them how nervous I get when I'm nervous before every race. Like, why am I doing this to myself? There has to be a reason. And I say to them, it's because I want to see what I can do. I still care about what I can do. It's me against me. I don't care. I'm not competing with anyone. It's what am I capable of on that day? How good can I be if I work hard and I pay attention and I take care of myself? I sleep right and I eat right. And I, you know, what can I do physically? Like, who knows? And there's something really exciting about putting yourself on the hook once in a while and getting to that start line, because Christina, I don't care how old you are, 55, 25, 15, I'm a nervous wreck before a race. I care that much. And again, nothing's riding on it. I'm not getting paid to do it. It's not my livelihood, but I care about what I put out in the world. And I want everyone to have that same feeling about what they give, you know, what they do. So that's kind of my story about how I run, (laughs) why I run. Yeah, no, but, and then you've turned this into a coaching business where you, and I'd love to know, you know, what does that look like? Like, do you help people with these big goals or do you help them just create a goal and get to it? All of that. What I realized was a lot of what was behind my success was my mindset right? So it was a lot about these limiting beliefs that we have, these self-limiting beliefs. I'm too old. I'm too overweight. I'm too, I don't know enough about the sport. I don't, everybody's faster than me. I'll never get, you know, all, we have all these images in our head. We have the story we tell ourselves, Christina. And one of my, my, when I speak, I have this thing, it's called your story is no longer serving you. We have these stories we grew up with. I'm just not an athlete. I've never been. My PE teacher in 10th grade told me I couldn't run. And they've stuck with that. And that's their, you know, they've used that to kind of protect themselves. And I'm here to say that story doesn't serve you anymore. You don't, whatever it was that, that, so change the story, change the story that, you know, that you can't. So I realized that mindset was behind it. And I realized I can do this. I've never swam, but that's okay. I can learn. And so I started to teach people how to set goals and almost be disciplined and find their why. A lot of people don't know why they do. You have to be so, like you asked me before, how are you driven? What gets, you know, discipline? Motivation lasts about two minutes. Everyone's motivated. They hear someone and oh, that guy ran a marathon. I'm going to do that. And then five minutes later, that is gone. It's fleeting. But if you can lock into what drives you, what's your purpose? Why do you want to do this? And that's what I talk to clients about and athletes. And it, it can be athletes, but not everyone, because it's all the same stuff. Sports is life and it's all it's all related. So it's more about what drives you. You know, for me, it drives my children. I want to leave a legacy to my kids. I want them to watch what I've done. Like I want them to tell their children, grandma did the Boston marathon six times and she went to Kona. It's like, wow. And then I, you know, they can do that too. It's like, you're, you know, so mindset and that developing that muscle, that mental muscle that we can go and train physically, but are we working on our self-talk? Are we working on how we look at things and approach things and setbacks and adversity and injuries and commitments, time commitments and family, how to balance that and juggle it. It's difficult. And 
being that I've done it, I live it, I still do it. I understand the challenges and I want to be there to support people because I think they really do want to make a lot of changes and accomplish things. And I want them to do that. I'm in their corner and understand. And I've had clients say to me, this is so great. I get to talk about running all the time with you. Like no one else understands. No one is, everyone's like, why are you running 26 miles? I get it. I get why they do what they do. And I love supporting my clients in that way. Well, and something you brought up too is, you know, circumstance. So when I grew up, my parents were divorced. I was a latchkey kid from nine years old on. And now I'm really healthy and I work out a lot. And my best friend growing up, she's like, oh my God, you might've been like a really good athlete, but I didn't have the means to go. I couldn't play youth sports because I couldn't get there. My mom worked several jobs actually. So those opportunities weren't there. So who knows? So I grew up my whole life thinking, oh my God, I'm so not athletic. I will say I'm still not coordinated. I've worked on that, but that's not getting too far. But, and I enjoy exercise. I do it every day. It's in my calendar. Like it's a part of my life that I love. But if you had said to me in my 20s that I was going to have a health shift and do something like that. So, so you're right. There's, it is mindset. It's like, okay, I can do this. I go eight miles every single day. Like it's nothing now. It's a lot, but, and I love it. And it's my brain power. It's like you said, and I, it, if I don't go, I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't go today. But knowing that you can do anything at any time in your life when you're ready to make a change and you can learn anything. You can learn to swim. That's tough in your forties. That was the challenge. I'm not going to lie. I remember the first time I went into the pool, I went to a clinic and I'd never swam lapids in a pool. Like, no. So I go, I show up and they put me in lane one. There were eight lanes. You could appreciate this, Christina, as a swimmer. There were all these lanes and the fastest swimmers were in lane eight and or lane five or lane six. It doesn't matter for the story. And I was like, wow, look at them go. You know, they were so good. And I'm in lane one with a swim cap on. I didn't even have a, I didn't even know anything. And they had us putting our face in the water, blowing bubbles. Like literally, okay, everybody put your, that's how elementary I started. And three years later, I was swimming two and a half miles in Hawaii at the world championships. But I want everyone just to think about that for a second, because 43 years old, you're doing bubbles in the water because you don't know how to swim yet. And three years later, and you're not in a pool, you're in an ocean, like open water that, I mean, that's wow. That's wow. And whether you're 50 or 40, that's wow. Congratulations. That's huge. Thank you. That was a big, and everyone used to say, you should do triathlon. And I used to go, I am a land girl. Like, don't put me, I don't like the water, Christina. I would go to the beach and I don't go in the water. I don't even like it, but give me a purpose, right? Think about it. Like now I had purpose, the gun goes off, the cannon goes off, and I am in it. So it's interesting when you really lock into something you want or you, again, you have that purpose, you're driven to learn it. I was going at the pool. I would go at night when my kids were sleeping. I would go to the pool in the middle of winter with my stuff on and work on my swim. So, you know, what people don't see is that they see, wow, she must be such a great athlete. And don't get me wrong. I am an athlete. Like I'm pretty coordinated. So it did come easily, more easily to me than many people, but make no mistake how hard I worked, Christina, at swimming. I watched videos and I just, I worked at 
got it. Like, but you can do that at 45, 44, 45, 43. Like, it's kind of cool. Like, we, we have a lot of life left. Like, it's exciting. I never knew it was possible. And that's what we talk about on this podcast a lot because a lot of people are having second chapters, third chapters, reinventions in their fifties, and they're still young and they're healthy. I can't tell you how many women I've interviewed in their sixties who are starting new chapters. I even have one, I think she's in her eighties, late seventies, early eighties, whole new chapter. So give us some tips from, you know, like your coaching that you do, but what are some things to really help adjust? Because I do think we're creatures of habit too. And we've been told the same thing or we believe the same thing for so many years that to let's, how do we break that and come up with new exciting goals? We have to deprogram ourselves somewhat like to, to what you're saying. We have to unlearn a lot of things that are habitual. There are messages, messaging that's been sent to us for years and years. And a lot of it is, you know, you're 50 or this, it's like, oh, it's kind of, you're on the back nine or you're, you know, you're going to fade into the woodwork kind of thing. And I am like, I'm just getting warmed up because I feel like I've never been as confident as I am. And what I teach people is like, they always say, oh, I wish I was further along. That's what I get a lot. Like I'm only here. And I always remind them how they don't, you don't realize you're in it. You don't, when you look back, you're going to say, wow, I was further along than I thought I was. So try not to look at it as what you haven't done, but what you have done. And this is something I have to say to myself as well. Like I'm doing the thing. You're doing the thing, whatever it is that you wish you were here or this far along, you know, social media gives us this, oh, look at her. She's doing this. She's doing that. And I'm only here. It's like, no, you're in it too. We're all in it. We're, there's a big continuum and there's Oprah at one end. And then there's the person that just signed up their LLC, you know, or whatever. We're all in it. And you're just at one point and that woman is somewhere else. And we have to almost appreciate what we've already accomplished. But you have to teach, you have to say that to yourself every day. That's a, that has to be part of the self-talk reminders that you have. I'm in it and just chip away. I t- like when I have to do hundred mile bike rides and 20 mile runs and it's one mile at a time, right? So it's just one day at a time, chip away at it and try and be as present as possible. That's what I teach people. Don't look at what you haven't done. Be in the moment, appreciate what you have and just keep moving. Just keep moving. When I'm running, I just say, Leah, just keep moving. Just keep, it doesn't matter how fast you go, just keep going. Just so dead on with that. And I, when I work with clients who haven't really started, for example, social media, and they're like, oh, but I have zero followers. And I said, everybody has zero followers when they start. It takes, other than Jennifer Aniston, who got a million in a night. Other than that, most of us are at zero and it's a slow crawl to get where you're going and to realize exactly that you're not alone. That, right, Oprah's here, just... You know, I'm just starting my podcast. Who knows where I'll be in 10 years? But you're right. Just to set realistic goals for yourself and expectations. Right. Manage your expectations. Really manage them. And be re- and that's we should be better at that as women now who are more mature. And okay, you know, I have to say to myself, because I'm a competitive person. Listen, I want to, you know, I want to do well. And I'm, you know, put a lot of pressure on myself. But I have to say, Leah, you're just, you know, I'm just starting a new venture now with working with student athletes. And I find myself going, oh my gosh, I could be speaking here and there. And I have to just say, you know, one thing at a time, don't rush the process. It will all unfold the way it's supposed to. And you're exactly where you need to be right now. 
And I want to talk about what you're doing because it is amazing. And you have just started this post 50 and it's such, so, so, so important, such an important topic. So let's talk about how you got into it and what you're doing. Yeah. So I've been a guidance counselor for 20 plus years and I love my work and I've been, I'm obviously an athlete. So I have that component. My, all four of my kids play sports. So I'm a sports mom. And then couple that with, I'm a volleyball coach. I was coaching the varsity volleyball team at my school. So I took all these things and I started teaching my team mindset work and self-care and how to, you know, self-talk and all of those things that I do for me as myself as an athlete, because it helped me. And I said, this really should be, all athletes should get access to this because again, as a guidance counselor in the building, I understand the stressors and pressures they have, their grades, their courses, their SAT. It's a lot. So I started incorporating that into my work as a coach. And I said, why don't all kids have this kind of support? So I brought it, I, you know, I wrote a proposal, I brought it to my school district and they loved it and they said, run with it. So as far as I know, I'm the only mental health and performance coach for student athletes in a high school in the country. I don't know of anyone else who is doing the work. They do it privately. There are people who work with athletes privately, but I work in my school district every day after school. I meet with the teams. I talk with the kids. I go to their games. I, you know, I support them. I have an Instagram account where I interact with them and it's been really fulfilling. So what I'm trying to do now, Christina, is broaden this, teach other school districts how to maybe create a position like mine for their school district and give those kids support because sports now, it's so professionalized. Like it's going down into the high schools, like the colleges and the college kids are struggling mentally with the pressure and the demands and NIL, name, image, and likeness. And all of these things are trickling down. And our high school kids, I have juniors in high school that are committed to Princeton and Villanova and Harvard and Navy and Brown and they're 50, 16. And it's a, it's just a tremendous amount on them with everything else. And so it's something I think the work is needed. And I think I want more, you know, more people doing it. And I think there's a lot of men or women like myself who, and like I tell them, I'm an athlete, I'm out there training. I show them, I go running and I take a picture and I'm like, I'm doing the work just like you guys. I'm in it with you. I know the struggles. So I'm trying to really, you know, use my own experiences as an athlete to help understand them and support them. And I think we can get these in all high schools across America. I think it's brilliant. I've made some introductions for you too, because I so see the value, but 99.9% .9 of the school districts don't have this. You're it. You've just started it. What can we do as parents, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles, friends, you know, and it's not just student athletes, but you're very focused on that because you are an athlete, but there's so much pressure on these kids. You know, what are some signs to look for at home and what are some things we could do to ease that when they do come home to relieve that pressure from them? So they're not in this constant state of, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like it's just too overwhelming. I'm so glad you asked this question because I think a lot of parents want to ask them a lot of questions. What's going on? Did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do this? What's going on with that? Did you hear from this coach? They're bombarding them when they walk in the door. And it's like, I have this presentation I do called the car ride home, you know, how to talk to your, how to support your student athlete. Like when they get in the car after a tournament, don't start pointing out all the mistakes they made or making fun of their coach or blaming the ref or all these things. Just let them come to you. So I think it's a lot of parents want to 
talk about it with their kid. And I get it. I've got sports kids. I know. And it's, we have to be patient with them. We have to give them an opportunity to come to us, open the door. Hey, how was your day? If you want to talk about it, let me know. I'm here. Message over. Consistency is key. Don't judge them. Don't judge them. You know, if they feel that you're going to come after them or criticize them or they're not going to talk to you. Some signs are when kids no longer want to do the things that make them happy. They don't want to go to practice. They don't want to go with their friends. They're just, you know, they're not eating like they normally do. They just don't have that kind of look in their eye. Then you start to, you want to ask some questions and say, what's going on? Maybe get the school involved or just say, hey, you know, let's find out here because they may be afraid to tell you they don't love their sport anymore because you've been driving them their whole life and they're doing it almost for you. And they're afraid to tell you that. I'm just using that as an example. So we have to be listening and looking for other things other than just, you know, them coming home and saying, oh, I love everything. They're not going to do that. And also, like we talked about off air, these kids are different and we don't want to be judging them all the time. Like, oh, they're always on their phone and, you know, they don't have any downtime these kids anymore. They're, they go from, they wake up in the morning, they're on their phone, they're in school, they're in school, they're at practice. They go from practice to then maybe have band rehearsal or a lesson. Let's say they're not sports kids. Then they go to their night programs, their clubs, their activities. They Then they have a tutor. They don't stop for a second. And the phone is on them all the time and it's just constant. And I say to them, you're mentally tired as much as you're physically tired. And to recognize that they're like, oh my gosh, you're right. So, you know, just to, to understand and not judge them because they're great kids. This generation's different. We have to embrace them. They're fabulous. They, you know, they're, they have a very different experience than we had. And instead of shunning them for it, you're always on your phone and just say, you know, I use my kids. I'm like, can you look something up for me? You're way better on that phone. Right. Than I, I do that. That's all they know. They're digital natives. That's... They were born. Now, my kids were, I'm trying to think, I think my daughter got her phone. We left her in Canada to go to camp with her friend. She was probably in third or fourth grade. So she had a phone at eight or 10. And those phones then, you know, we had the flip phones. They didn't have the internet like it did. Now, this is how fast technology is going. But you're right. These That's all they know. And that's how they communicate. That's correct. We cannot constantly be condemning them for that. You know, I work in a, I work in a school, right? So it's all te- they don't know how to talk to each other. They don't know how to write. You know, we have to stop expecting them to be different and start to appreciate their strengths and not and not criticize them for it. Like they're so sick of hearing everybody going, "You don't know how to." Ch-. You know, we're coming at it the wrong way. We have to be. You know, we have to be smart about this or they're never going to talk to us. Like, so I don't let those things get, you know, if they're looking at their phones, I don't say anything to them, you know, at school, like let them do their thing. And then when they're ready, they're ready. Like, but let's give them what they need. They need a lot more validation. They're used to everything is instantaneous, right? They want an answer. It's instant. They want to know right away that's this knowledge that they're, it's at their fingertips. So whereas when I was playing sports and when you were doing stuff, Someone told you to do something, you just did it. You didn't ask questions. You didn't have, there was no reason. There was no answer. Now they want an answer. So give them an answer. It's okay. Give them the answer. You know, if they ask you, well, why do we need to do this in math class? Well, this is why, because, well, what's wrong with that? You know, like instead of saying, we didn't have to tell any, you know, when I was asked to do something, I just did it. 
you know, I mean, we're, <laughs> it seems so obvious, Christina, but it's amazing how people are so resistant to these teenagers and they blame them. And I, it's like my pet peeve, like, let's stop blaming them. Let's love them. They're awesome. And they're the future and they're brilliant and beautiful and smart, but they, we have to let, we have to understand them a little bit better and be a little bit more patient and they'll come to us. I've seen it. I agree with you. And I keep saying with my kids, like we love doing stuff with our kids and their friends. The kids keep me young. Yeah. I love being around them. I love to hear everything they have to say. I'm like a sponge with them. Not that I want to know what's going on in their world. Like I'm not, it's not like I'm nosy Nelly. It's like, it's just so cool because you're right. It's so different than when I was that age. And I'm just fascinated by the access that they have and what they know and how smart they are. And I constantly hire college kids from my alma mater because they are so smart. I'm like, teach me just this summer, teach me everything, you know, so I can learn and I can grow. Cause you're so smart. Right. You're so much better at this than I am. You know, maybe I'm better at talking to other adults and communicating that way. Cause that's how I know. And I can teach you that. I can help you do that if you need help with that. But I need your help with Canva. Like, I, you know, I'm just not good at that, you know, that technology stuff, but I'm more old school. But let's meet in the middle. Let's, you, you know, let's appreciate what their skills, their skill set is way different. That They're so fast, but everyone's so quick to judge and so quick to criticize. And I think we're losing our connection to them by doing that. And I want to shift that. I, I love that. I love how you can tie in you know, you're what you've done in your past and being an athlete and maybe helping them quantify goals. So it's not the pressure like, Hey, let's just get here. Let's do this week and this week. And one little thing at a time. One little thing at a time. Okay. So what's next for you? Oh goodness. So what's next? I don't know. I'm the, <laughs> this is my latest and greatest new adventure. And again, like it's so cool that we get to reinvent ourselves even you know much later in life and to start a new endeavor and that you know even that takes courage, but I think I'm up for the challenge. I, I love a new challenge. I want to spread this message. I want to work with student athletes all over. I want to help school districts get this off the ground. I want to you know, I want to do more media and teach parents and anyone who has a teenager in their life how to work with that student, athlete, kid, whatever they are, and connect with them and be an, be a role model. You know, I look at some of the high school kids I work with and, you know, again, in high school, you don't know how old someone is. Like, they probably don't understand how old I am or it doesn't occur to them. I feel like saying I'm, you know, your mom's age, but I just, they're, they're so great if you let them be them and not, I, it's amazing how much I have learned from them this year, doing this role as the, as this mental health and performance coach and like teaching them how to talk to themselves, but also getting into a glimpse into their world a little bit and allowing them to open up to me and sort of be, be, they're encouraging me. They're like, this is great, Miss Jansen, you got to do it. You know? So I'm really looking to branch out to, to, you know, to meet with more schools and take this on the road and hopefully teach other people how to create their own position like this in high schools all over. Cause I think it's, I think it's needed. I think they need support. So needed. And I'm so glad you started this. When we wrap up, I always ask the same two questions. I'm going to skip the one since you just turned 50. But the second one is, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Doing a lot of speaking. I love to speak. That is my probably my favorite thing. If I'm not 
running. <laughs> well, you could run to your speaking engagement. I can run to my. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to speak in cities and then run there, like run a race and do a speaking gig in a city. I I do want to do more speaking and more maybe a book. I really would love to get a book. That's sort of my vision, Christina. You know, I think I can touch more lives that way and be have a bigger impact and hopefully you know, have other people sort of working with me on that cause and sharing that message. But I want people to realize and recognize it's never too late to do something new and interesting. I'm doing this now at 50. Who knew? I, if you asked me 10 years ago, I wouldn't have. If you asked me 10 years ago, if I had was going to do an Ironman, I would have laughed at you. So learning that from 40 to 50, what I've done in those 10 years is unbelievable. So I look forward to the next 10 years. I'm open to whatever life direction is going to send me. So I'm up for it. I'm ready. (laughs) I see you doing a lot of amazing work. And like I said, this is so important. I was so glad to have you on and share this. And I always say, if, if we can touch one life, if we can help one person, if somebody's listening and hears you and is inspired and can help that one person in their life, we've done our job. So thank you so much, Leah, for joining us today. You are so welcome, Christina. This has been a treat and thank you for having me. Best of luck with everything. Thank you for listening or for watching this episode of Living Ageless and Bold. If you haven't already, please make sure you hit subscribe. And if you like the episode, I hope that you will give us a great review. You can also head over to livingagelessandbold.com and sign up for information, inspiration, and exclusive opportunities for us, women over 55. Thanks for listening. And remember, no matter what you do, keep living ageless and bold.